It's great to see all of you here today. Um, We're going to get to that scripture in a few moments. It's our main text for today's message. We are on week two of our Remnant series this fall, and I thought it would be prudent just to give you a bit of an overview of what in the world we're doing here and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, This series really is divided into three main sections. Uh, The first section that we're dealing with, the first four messages, deal with what I call the remnant reality. The remnant reality. And these messages are all about coming to a right understanding of the times that we live in. One of the things that God's been doing on my heart lately is that he's been creating in me uh, this importance of awareness. Uh, And I think awareness on our part takes place on three different levels. You have a God awareness. You begin to really understand that there is a God and he has purposes and plans for your life. There's also self-awareness. Who are you as a person? How has your environment influenced you? How does your spiritual gift set influence the way you think, your personality, and so forth? How do they factor in? I think a lot of people are unaware of who they are as a person. And um, they struggle then in doing life. But there's a third awareness issue that I think is equally important as God and ourselves, and that's cultural awareness. And that's what this series is all about. That's what these first four messages are all about, becoming culturally aware, understanding the reality that we find ourselves in. I think we miss the times we're in frequently because we're just not very aware culturally what's going on. I, I realized in my own life, I didn't have my wife... I wouldn't know a lot of things. She watches more news than I. Uh, she brings up issues that are going on. Um, I, in fact, I begin to realize I'm kind of an unaware person at times about what's going on around me. I don't know if I would have even known about Houston being flooded. I don't know if I would have known about Hurricane Irma if it wasn't for the news and a, and a wife who cares. I would just go along thinking, life's good in the nation. I wonder why the gas prices are going up. I wouldn't have any idea what's going on. You know what? Lately, I don't know if you watch sunsets. First hour, this didn't work very well. But maybe you all watch sunsets a little bit. I do. They're beautiful right now. Have you noticed that? Beautiful reds and oranges. You know why? Because we get a lot of fires out west, putting a lot of pollutants into the air, and that makes for one gorgeous sunset. But if we didn't know that that was going out in the west, we'd just go, wow, the sun is so beautiful. And we might even say, thank you, God, for the beautiful sunset, not realizing that half our country's on fire or whatever. You follow what I'm saying? Because we're unaware. Awareness is, is our, our friend. We have to understand the reality that we find ourselves in. Listen, Christians, we sometimes don't get what's going on out there. We think everybody understands the things we understand. They do not. We live in our own little Jesus world, which is a good world. And we have the community of saints like we have this morning, which is a good thing. I'm telling you what, most of the world doesn't have this. Most of the world's not experiencing this reality. They're experiencing a different reality. And so the first four messages of this series are mainly getting you acclimated, understanding what's really going on in the world. That's our reality that we have to deal with. Our big thought from last week is this. We are called to face the times that we live in with honesty and courage, just squarely. We shouldn't be depressed about him. We shouldn't get cynical. We shouldn't give up. Instead, we should have faith in a sovereign God who is in control. But we have to face the reality we find ourselves in. Now, last week I gave us three questions that really help us to deal with 
the times we find ourselves in. The first question was, what time is it? That's the first four messages of this series. We're dealing with what time is this? What are we dealing with? What is going on? And then what should we be up to? Now, the second question leads us into the second four sets of messages. And that, that, the second four messages, I should say. The second set of four messages. Did that make sense? The final time. It's always a home run. What kind of people are we called to be? All right, what time is it? That's the first four messages of this remnant series. Then the second question that, that kind of helps us understand the times we live in is what kind of people should we be? The next four messages in this series will deal with that. And so we'll talk on topics like purity and civility and uh, integrity and generosity. It, it, these things are going to be very important at the times we find ourselves in. We live in a very uncivil culture right now. Have you noticed that? The last election... I would classify it as uncivil. You drive a car, it's an uncivil experience. You go shopping. I didn't know women could be so aggressive. Of course, men are too. But, but you, know, you get in there and you just get, you just get, it's like, ah! And, and you know, we're getting, have you noticed we're getting more crowded as a little town? There's more traffic. Now I actually have to wait for two stoplights at times. Wow, I'm back in the Twin Cities. No, I'm not. But you follow, and we can get uncivil really quickly. So we have to talk about civility in times that we find ourselves in. And then the last question that I talked about last week for addressing the times we live in is, um, what are we uh, doing to serve these times? What are we doing to serve these times? The last two messages will hit that uh, question squarely as we look at subjects like, when do we resist and when do we submit to what's going on? And how do we seize moments that God uh, puts before us? And so that'll be our last couple messages of the series. So now you have an overview of the series. This is in the front page, basically, of your small group book. If you're taking a, a small group, and I would suggest that you, if nothing else, grab one of those guides and do it on your own, even if you don't do it in a, in a small group. So what I want us to do, folk, is get this, flow of this thing. We need to know what time it is. We need to be aware. We need to know then what kind of people should we be? How do we interact with the culture that we find ourselves in? And then we need to know how do we serve? God, what do you want me to do here in, in the times that you've placed me in? And, and our Remnant series addresses those three questions um, right head on. So this morning we're on week two of really getting at Remnant Reality. And I want to look at life in the margins with you this morning. What does it mean when we as Christians are pushed basically to the margins of the culture that we live in? All right. If you look at the secular world right now and all that, our opinions are not valued. We are pretty much marginalized in terms of life philosophy and belief system. So we're going to look at that for a few moments this morning. You know what? This is normal for God's people. If you read your Bible, there's hardly a story in the Bible where it isn't about God's people being in the margins of the culture that they're in. It's normal. It's not abnormal. It's almost God's standard operating procedure for his people to be often in the margins of culture. They don't have power. They don't have control. A word that Jeremiah uses for, for, for this thing is exile. Exile. Uh, the reading earlier this morning that we just heard was a letter from Jeremiah to the exiles. 
of his time. And so uh, the Bible often uses the word exile, you know, almost like a synonym to being in the margins of culture. Last week we looked at the, the book of Habakkuk. And we saw that God had raised up the Babylonians to carry off Israel into exile. What we heard read this morning was Jeremiah the prophet's letter to those exiles carried off into Babylon. Once again this morning, then, we're going to look at this letter from Jeremiah. We looked at it a little bit last week. And we're going to look at it this morning in some depth. And um, we're going to see what Jeremiah's message is to us this morning as people who are in the margins. Um, One of the things I I just want to tell you this morning that we're going to struggle with is that we come from a culture where we demand rights. We think we should be heard. Um, We don't like to be marginalized. We think power is obtained by being at the head table. And so we're, as a culture, going to struggle with where we're finding ourselves as God's people. We're going to struggle with that. And sometimes we might go, I don't like this, and snort and holler and get loud and get mad. That will do no good. That will just further marginalize us. So what I want to encourage you to do this morning is please hear what I'm going to say. Ponder it, let it ruminate in your spirit a little bit, but just please hear what I'm going to share with you this morning because as God's remnant, we got to address the reality we are in. We can't hope it's something else. We have to address the reality we're in and we have to begin to say, God, how do you want to move and do a mighty work in the margins through us as your remnant people? We're no longer the world superpower we think we are. But more and more, you know, with North Korea and all this stuff and things going on around the world, we kind of begin to wonder how strong are we? Don't we? Just a little bit? Does that not bother you when they're shooting missiles over Japan? It doesn't bother you? Are you just really quiet? Okay. There are some parallels to us in Israel that we need to grab a hold of. Get this, Israel comes on the scene under the rulership of King David and then King Solomon, and they are a superpower in their day. So mighty, so strong. They were the central moving and shaking nation of that region. Basically, they were the superpower of their day. But then something happened. They became a divided kingdom. And they begin to lose their influence and their central position. And pretty soon the northern kingdom in 722 B.C. was uprooted by the Assyrians and they were carried off into Babylon, or carried off into exile, and they were no more. A sad moment. Then, some 200 years later, the southern kingdom, that's basically Judah, she was attacked by the Babylonians. And they begin to deport the people of Judah into exile. That's what this letter in Jeremiah is all about. Listen, we are a divided nation right now. Come on, aren't we? We are almost like split in half. It could be rural versus cities, but same kind of dynamic. 
as Israel went through. A house divided against itself won't stand very long. And, and so we're facing some of the same issues as they were facing, politically anyway, and nationally. At any rate, in 500 B.C.s, Babylon tore down the walls around Jerusalem, burned the temple, took the king away, and they begin deporting the people. They begin the exiling of the people of Judah. And so the southern kingdom now was experiencing what the northern kingdom had experienced 200 years prior to this. Like I said, that's what Jeremiah 29 is all about. Um, here's the Babylonian approach. Why destroy when you can subject? When you can make the people into subjects, why destroy them? They were into assimilation, into basically re-education, reorienting these people that they, that they conquered. Um, and so they weren't into elimination. They were into assimilation. Hey, listen, that's the challenge we face right now as the people of God. We face the challenge of assimilation, of not becoming irrelevant and becoming just like our culture. That's a challenge that we're facing too today. Are you seeing this? Do you understand the times? Do you understand the issues that we're, we're, we're dealing with? Um, and so we, we learned some valuable things from the letter of Jeremiah about what to do as marginalized uh, uh, people. For one thing, just keep doing life. Live, marry, have kids, and hope in God, right? Keep hoping in God. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's plans for future and hope, uh, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Uh, you know, and so God, God's, God's telling the people there in, in, in Jeremiah's time, live, do life, stay faithful to me, stay hopeful in me, um, and, and, but yet stay mine. Don't become the Babylonians. Don't become assimilated. And then he says, you'll find me when you seek me with all your face. So the danger that Jeremiah is addressing in his letter to the exiles is assimilation. Don't become like the culture that you find yourself in. So this is the danger of exile, the danger of being in the margins. I'm just going to give this to you in a note. It's not that the religious are eliminated. Rather, they become assimilated. Man, we got to watch out for assimilation. I think that's God's word to us this morning. We can't just become okay with everything going on around us and become part of the culture. See, God will do a new work in the remnant. When we are pushed to the margins, God's ready to do new work through a faithful group of people. And oftentimes, that's where his work begins, and that's where the move of God begins. If you look at the Bible, you'll see that's the case over and over again, and it's definitely the case here in Jeremiah 29. So here's an observation I hope that you consider this morning. Out in the margin, God built a remnant of faithful people because you have to depend on them out here. You have to call on them out here. You don't have influence. You don't have control. You don't have power. You don't have political might. In the margins, you have to call on God. And God moves oftentimes in just that kind of situation. Listen, if you're a remnant person, you begin to really do life differently. One of the big differences for us could simply be this. We read God's word. We believe God's word. We actually do God's word. 
If you're a remnant person and you're doing what I just said, you're going to have insight and wisdom that 98% of the world does not have. Do you realize that? This isn't hard stuff. You'll have insight that goes way beyond your years and way beyond your education because the Holy Spirit's in you. You'll raise your kids different. You won't get caught up in, in, in things that don't matter. You'll be concerned about their soul and their spiritual well-being and, 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 and training them up in the ways of the Lord that so when they're old, they'll not depart from those ways. You'll do work differently. You won't get caught up in the way the world does work. You won't look at that as defining you as a person. Every time I drop Lydia off at work every, every morning, I do it. Vicky does it more than I do. I always say, okay, Lydia, how's your day going to go? I know, Dad. Happy heart, happy face, unto the Lord. You should be different because you love Jesus. You should do life different because you love Jesus. God is about building a remnant who's faithful, whose lives are noticeably different. That's where he often, most often, begins his movements. So today, hear the message of Jeremiah to us. Don't be assimilated. Don't be assimilated. This is more of a challenge than we think. I'm a little bit of a Star Trek nerd. I even watched some of the original series around 264. Fortunately, I have it memorized on my TV, which says something bad about me. But I love the cheesiness of it, and I love the nostalgic feeling I have when I watch it. Well, in the Star Trek franchise, there's an arch enemy to the, the, the Federation. It's the Borg, and the big nasty Borg. And I think they're going to pop up here on the screen behind me, all right? Um, basically, this reoccurring enemy, what they do is they don't conquer their foes. They assimilate their foes. Uh, they, they do so by by forcibly taking individuals and putting in nanoprobes and stuff inside them so they think different. I mean, Star Trek, you know. And they use some of those cybernetic components and they end up being part of what's called the collective or the high, which is one of those cubes over there. And, and so what the Borg did was they assimilate, they never really eliminate. And their ultimate goal is achieving perfection through assimilation. Listen, this was Babylon of old. They assimilated. They did not eliminate their enemies. Why eliminate enemies when you can make them your subjects and they can pay taxes and they can become a resource for the furtherance of the Babylonian kingdom? So they were masterful at assimilation. I think that's what we're facing today is one of our, our big issues. I was talking with Pastor Aaron here last week about the message a little bit and, and just about this whole assimilation concept. And, you know, he shared a little phrase with me. I think that's really appropriate this morning. Um, you know, it's, it's adaptation versus accommodation for us as, as God's people. And I don't think we know the differences there very well. We have to be willing to adapt our methodologies Freely. We live in an extraordinarily visual culture. Would you agree with me on that? We could say, oh, bad, 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 bad. It shouldn't be a visual culture. We are a visual culture. My little grandbabies, by the time they're two years old, already have little electronic devices. Their parents have to limit them on electronic devices. I watched Gilligan's Island. That was my highlight as a young person growing up. 
black and white Gilligan's Island on a TV that was about 12 inches square. I did not have the visual stimulation or access that our culture now has. So what do we do? We speak in a language our culture can understand. We use screens. We do broadcasting. It's very effective. We, that's adapting a method to the culture so we can speak Jesus into their lives. But listen, we can't accommodate wrong thinking. We can't say it's okay. When Christians are polled for their views on things like reincarnation, an alarmingly large percent, I want to say 60 to 70 percent, will say that reincarnation happens. What? No, that's from religions like Hinduism or Buddhism or something like that. That is not Christianity. We do not believe a person is reincarnated. You are appointed to die once and then face judgment, the Bible says. There is no reincarnation. That is an accommodation of a wrong thought, a wrong belief system. We don't do that, amen? You follow the difference here? We, ha- we can't accommodate. We can't be politically correct. We can't say there are, are multiple ways to God. There's one way to God. That's through Jesus Christ. We have to be dogged on those points, but at the same time, we have to adapt on what doesn't matter. That's methodology for communicating better. We confuse the two frequently and have a lot of infighting in our own bodies about these kinds of things. All the while, we're not facing the remnant reality that's going on around us. I worked for 3M for 15 years. Great experience. Loved it. But there were times when I realized, when I sat in a room with a bunch of other managers at 3M, I was the only one that had a biblical worldview. It's challenging, isn't it? Some of you find yourself in that same kind of situation frequently. I had to engage and think about how do I gauge without compromising, yet without coming across as being holier than thou. That's hard. When you really try to put it in that kind of phrasing and you really try to do this thing rightly, and I found myself frequently struggling with how do I live out my faith Resist the simulation, but don't seem prudish. It don't seem like I'm really righteous and you're just, you know, this dirty, rotten person over here. How do you, how do, you do that? Because assimilation is there in the workplace all the time. I, I don't know how many of you are, 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 are working yet. Some of you are in school, but it's there too, you know. But simulation's all over in the work environment. It's, 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 it's a monster trying to suck you in all the time, You're trying to get you to run into, into, into that game and play their game by their rules. You know, simulation in the workplace looks like this. You know what? Life is all about making money. It is not. That is a lie. It is not about making money only. Money doesn't hurt. But that's not what we live for. Our God is not our money. Our God is our God. Money is a resource from God to do life right. But it's not about money. It's not about possessions. Oftentimes at work, you get into the rat race of promotions and recognition. And you know what? All that kind of thing. I remember when I was a young engineer at 3M, I had just put in this $8 million project. It was making $7 million a month, and I was passed over for a promotion. 
And I remember I was so mad. I said, what do I got to do? Put a whole plant in to get a promotion here or what? I was so upset. And I had a, a really good boss. His name was Ron Loveland. I'll just use him because he's a good boss. He was a Christian man. And we had a lot of Christian talk about how to do work as under the Lord. And I was hotter than a hornet. I'll admit it. And he came to me and he said, who do you work for? <laughs> I knew what he's going to say. just didn't want to hear it. He said, well, I work for Jesus Christ. He said, then quit whining. Do you work unto the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll reward you in, in his due time? Who do you work for? I thought, ah. But to see that work environment wants to suck you, it wants you to be assimilated into their rules and their way of doing life. You cannot let that happen. You have to stand fast in Jesus Christ. The remnant will stand fast in Jesus Christ. So let's talk about the margins from Jeremiah for just a few moments. Just remember these points from Jeremiah. God is the one who sends you, his people, into the margins. Last week, we looked at the book of Habakkuk, and today as we look at the, at the reading from Jeremiah 29, we see that God is the one that is in charge. Um, God is the one that carried the Israelites off into exile. If you fight God in the margin, so to speak, if you fight that, you might be fighting God himself. It's just not going to work. You're not going to win. Instead, if you find yourself in the margins of culture like we do as a, as a Christian movement, we got to begin to say, God, how do you want me to, how do you want me to live out here? The rules of engagement have changed slightly. So what do you want me to do? What insight are you going to give me? Second, listen to this now. This is super important. It will be longer than you think. Continue to do life. Jeremiah said to the people who were exiled, you're going to be there 70 years. Live, live, live. Marry, have kids. Tell your kids, have kids. Do life. Hunker down. You're going to be here a while in the margins. He says, wait on God, have hope in God, expect God to move. But understand, this margin living, it's not short term. As followers of Jesus, we often find ourselves marginalized at, in some area of life. You may experience this firsthand in a marriage when you have an unbelieving mate and you realize, wow, we are a disagreement of lots of things in life and, 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 and you begin to realize this may be a long, hard experience for me. God says, don't leave that. Pray for the one you're with. Sometimes we're in a family situation where we have an unbelieving brother or sister or mom or dad or son or daughter. You may be called to pray for that person for 50 years and not give up. Life in the margins can be long. You may end up working in a hostile work environment for 35 to 40, 50 years. Are you going to stay fast in Jesus Christ? Are you going to hold on to him? Don't give up. Don't give in. Stand fast in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, don't isolate. Rather, be involved. Jeremiah says, pray for the cities that you find yourself in. If they prosper, you prosper. Pray for the cities you find yourself in. So here's the whole perspective for us this morning. God does things in the margins that just don't happen in the center. 
God does things in the margins that don't happen in the center. Let me give you a classic example of this. It's the Old Testament book of Daniel. Get this, Daniel was a nobleman, carried off in one of the first deportations that happened in the Babylonian exile. So here you have the book of Daniel. It's about the Babylonian exile. He's one of the first noblemen carried off into exile. He went from being a nobleman in Judah to being a servant in the, in the king's palace in Babylon. Kind of a demotion, kind of being marginalized. And what we see then in the life of Daniel is the marvelous, wonderful, amazing moving of God in situation after situation after situation. He can interpret dreams. He's thrown at the lion's den. God shuts the lion's mouth. Uh, He's given visions about the end of the age, which we still study today. Marvelous things happened in the margins. God does things in the margins that just don't happen in the center. So I want to end with just sharing a little thought from my heart this morning with you. And I, 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 I know this um, is not necessarily flowing with the message, but you'll get it. Um, I think when we find ourselves in the margins, our natural tendency, especially as Americans, is to get upset and say life isn't fair, to stomp, want to be heard, want to be in the center where we think we have power and control. But what we have to begin to do is say, God, what do you want me to do out here? What matters out here? What matters when I don't find myself in control? What matters when I'm under uh, an authority that I don't respect, that that's not very godly? What, what do I do when I'm dealing with a culture that's just so far gone from you, God? Well, how do I do this thing rightly? How do I live out here? And you can't just make more noise and shout louder that just doesn't work. You know what works? I think the rules of engagement change a little bit. It's about disposition. It's about our disposition more than our position. It's about our hearts. It's about so being controlled by the Holy Spirit that your life is full of the fruit of the Spirit so that you truly are a patient and kind and generous person. Because what people are going to see And what's going to matter to them is your disposition first. You get what I'm saying here? And I think in the Christian community, we've been ones who say, well, apologetics are really important, truth-telling is really important, and being right is really important, and those things are important. But but they have their place. And right now, when you're dealing with a culture far gone from God that doesn't know the ways of God, your disposition matters like crazy. I remember this. I'm going to share this, and I don't share a lot of personal stories, but I'm going to share this personal story, okay? Because i got two minutes to be done. So I leave 3M in Knoxville, transfer up here to the medical plant. They gave me a going-away party, right? And I had done a lot of work there. And I got all kinds of Christian paraphernalia from my coworkers. I didn't ask for that. They just gave it to me. And you know what I did at that going-away party? I I stood up. And I said, you know, thanks for this and all that kind of thing. But I said, I just want to tell you, you know, when it comes to a lot of the things that have happened here and the projects I've been involved with, I just really prayed to God for wisdom. And I I shared a testimony like that at this going away thing. All right? I just felt like God said, will you take the glory for this or will you give me the glory? I said, no, I'll give you the glory, Lord, because you gave me the insight in a lot of this stuff. And I remember a person coming up to me afterwards and saying these words to me. You are always so different. I didn't know why. Now I know why. And you know what she said to me? You were kind. You would look at me when I talked to you. You would listen. 
This isn't hard. Are you hearing this? You came in the floor, treated us like we were regular people. You drove a car that's not very expensive. That's just because I'm cheap. (laughs) But you get what I'm saying here? We make this Christian thing harder than maybe it needs to be. And this is the kind of people God's calling us to be when we find ourselves in the margins. You can do this, brothers and sisters. You can do this, amen? You can live this kind of a life. You can. I'm looking at a bunch of people who can experience the move of God in the margins as we depend on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray and we're done. Lord God, I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for uh, this opportunity to, to share my heart just a little bit with the people of Grace Point. I want to thank you for this uh, remnant materials and what we're going through. I think, God, that you want to bring us to this uh, reality check of the culture we find ourselves in. God, you want to bring us to this, this check of, of knowing the culture we live in and how to deal with it. And so I pray, Lord, that you would grace us, give us wisdom and insight, give us understanding, help us not to fight what's happening, but rather to ask, God, how then should we live? How do you want us to influence? How do you want to work through us? And what move are you about, God? And I think you're about this grassroots move right now, God, where you want to raise up authentic remnant followers who love you, who live like you, who look like you, who have dispositions like you, Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's what's going to speak loudest to this culture we find ourselves in. doesn't mean we don't say truth. doesn't mean that we don't stand in convictions. We do. But we do so in such a way, Lord, uh, that it's humble, that it's not about ego, that it's not about rights. It's all about the magnification and glorification of your name, God. So we love you and praise you, and I pray you bless all the people of Grace Point, uh, that you fill them with your Holy Spirit today, Lord, and that you grace them with divine opportunities, grace them with... uh, Uh, things in their life that are beyond what they can do themselves, Lord. And I just look forward to your moving uh, as you did in times gone by, as you did in Daniel's day, move in our day, Lord, as you you did in Jeremiah's day, Lord, do in our day. We just pray for your move to be something, Lord, that, that we marvel at and we wonder about because it's just something that we can't manufacture. In your name, Jesus.